Hello and good morning to you. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, the podcast haven't been uploading in the last few days. I don't know what's happened. I think it's now back working. So apologies for missed podcasts. But uh, short and sharp on today. It's really about three studies I want to look at. Um, if you get boring of studies, let me know. But I'm trying to like explain them and you're going to take like real life takeaways from them. Do you know what I mean? No, there's nothing worse than just being reeled off research buddies, blah, 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 blah. It gets boring and boring and boring, doesn't it? How do we actually apply it today is what matters. So the first one, I think I've covered something similar to before, but there's another one called, called Can You Think Yourself Stronger, right? And the interesting part of this is for newbies, many of you might be newbies, we would consider newbies or intermediate trainers like zero to 18 months, maybe two years, beginner to intermediate, right? If you just show up 80% of the time to training, you just do, even if you do the bare minimum training, but you just follow the plan and you're not feeling great, you just go through the motions, get the muscles working, you're going to get results from strength training, right? You follow a program, it will happen. Now, what happens when you've reached that kind of newbie gains have gone? So you do have an accelerated muscle gain and strength at the start and it starts leveling off. So they've been looking at this. So they looked at this at elite athletes before, but this study is different. They just looked at what if you just thought of your muscles contracting at their maximum effort? Not You're not even contracting them, just thinking in your head, contracting those massive biceps of yours, all those triceps, those quads, whatever, and does that actually increase your strength? Well, it does. Shocking, it does. Now, the reason it's doing this is uh, mind-muscle connection, which has been going on for years and years, people are talking about this as a real thing, um, helps you really focus on what muscle is to do the maximum work but how to apply this really is like do you know when you have workouts and you've kind of passed your newbie gains you've done a few years now you're thinking i want to increase my strength but you're it's, you're getting it's getting harder to increase your strength you really have to start having like a pre-workout ritual now when i was younger this would be like i was watching like a video bruce lee uh, any motivational montage on YouTube back in the day, right? And then when you're in the gym, you really need to zone in between the sets, thinking and visualizing yourself contracting your muscles at 100% and doing all power and lifting the weight with ease, right? So if you focus mentally and actually do the workout, right, with your effort, you're going to get better results. Now, this might sound obvious, but it's kind of... No, no one. Re people just think I'll turn up for the set, do it. But the the time between the sets is very, very important as well. Especially if you're going to go for a big PR that day and stuff like that. So, I think if some of you are trying to break PRs and trying to push yourself in the gym, maybe it's time to um, kind of have a little pre-workout ritual, especially one that's going to be a big workout. Um, also, making sure that if you are trying to do PRs and stuff, you're eating a maintenance at least your carbs, eating carbs two or three hours before the session as well, ideally. Um, so you want to do that. But again, this is something for people who really want to push it, right? So if you if you just want to get fitter and stronger and you're kind of happy with kind of slower pace results, then you can, as long as you turn up most of the time and try a decent amount of effort, you're going to get some results. But yeah, just give that a go the next time you do a set. Just think of yourself doing it easily. Imagine the muscles contracting 100% and then do your set and do that for a, for a workout and see if it uh, makes a difference. Let me know. Next one, uh, we've mentioned this on a radio, I just want to co cover the topic of daylight helps you sleep better. Um, they looked at students, students school, right? We looked at them in the winter versus summer and stuff like that, 500 students. Cut the long story short, in the winter due to artificial lights, 
Uh, the students slept 40 minutes later than in the spring, and then they actually woke up 27 minutes later as well, right? So when we have artificial light and stuff like this, we're gonna, it's going to keep us awake longer than we really should be, and it's going to make it harder to fall asleep, right? So when it comes to spring and summer, it's easier for us, isn't it, because it's light, lighter, but really the main thing here is to have an alarm, right? You you have to remember this, and it's something that's really stuck with me after reading Tiny Habits. You're not going to do something unless you're prompted to do it, whether it's a mental prompt, a visual prompt, or whatever. So we end up ignoring prompts that are too frequent. So that's why there's research now, like randomized prompts and stuff like that. But you need to have a prompt at like 9 p.m. to say, hey, put your phone away, get off the screens, go and read a book until you fall asleep, or something along those lines. Because unless you have a prompt at that time to remind you, you're not going to have that consistency. And then you need the same prompt in the middle of the day. So going for a walk between 11 and 2 or peak daylight helps with vitamin D, obviously, but helps with the circadian rhythm as well and will help you sleep better. So if you really want to start like thinking of health and stuff, you obviously have to look at your sleep pattern. And to, there's a few easy tweaks, as not there? Like alarm at nine, put your phone away, get the screens off, and then walking during lunchtime is key. Not everyone can do this, obviously, but it, need, it, needs, to be, it needs to be addressed. Because there, uh, there was another study, right, in 2014, um, where participants were exposed to light above 500 lux, the equivalent of a bright room with multiple light sources the more they were likely to weigh. So conversely, having the majority of the light exposure early in the day was linked to a lower BMI. The collective takeaway from all of these studies is pretty straightforward. This is the study review. Get as much natural light as you can early in the day, even if it's cloudy, okay? And try and minimize in the night. So that's it. Get your walk in the morning, get your walk at lunch. Very simple to do on the, on the surface, obviously, but we just don't do the simple stuff, do we? Because we think there's a magic bullet to everything. But it's not, obviously not. Our third study to talk about is the surprising power of a good party. Yeah, yeah, I like this one. Um, so research shows that if, some, if, if someone perceives social support, regardless of whether they actually receive any help, they'll be better able to deal with stressful situations. The study worked like this. Looked at eight studies, tested, a celebration of, uh, tested the idea of celebrations to increase perceived social support. Um, so authors define as a sense that if something in your life goes pear-shaped, the people you've celebrated with will be there for you. The eight studies compared lots of conditions. Getting a group together to celebrate a special moment versus an, for an individual versus hanging out because it's Friday, for example, and whether it mattered if the celebrations were in person or virtual. They looked at the follow-on effects for both the person whose milestone was celebrated and for the who, person who organized and participated in the event. Here's what the study found. It must... Um, the researchers concluded that a celebration requires three distinct elements to increase a person's perceived social support. It must be specific, so like a promotion, an achievement, anniversary, a milestone for the person being honoured. It must be social, so a group or team of celebrants who gather at a specific time and place to participate. Celebrating your achievements by yourself doesn't have the same effect. And it must include food and or drink consumption, even if it's virtual. In that sense, it resembles a holiday dinner or wedding reception without shared meals those events wouldn't have the same social, cultural, or familial impact. The person who organizes the event also sees a boost to their own self-esteem. And then it talks about in the research about the broaden and build versus fight and flight. So we've got fight and flight when we're stressed and all that, we kind of narrow in, don't we? We're fight and flight, narrow in, run away, fight. Very narrow. But when we've got 
when we've got people around us and we celebrate even those achievements, again, this links to tiny habits as well. Celebrating that one habit you did today, even if it's tiny, is a huge life-changing moment because if you did that every day, it would change your life, wouldn't it? So you celebrate it and the celebration creates this emotion that really helps us like in all sorts of ways. So this broaden and build theory of positive emotions, if you are celebrating them or you're in a, an environment, a community, for example, that really does back you up and wants you to succeed, you, you can essentially then broaden and build your life. You know, you are looking outwards. You can see, wow, I can do this, I can do that. And it leads to, when you feel a bit, when you feel like that type of safety and support, it leads to being curious. I'll try this, and does it, if I fail, I've got support. I'll try this, if I fail, I've got support. Or oh, I did this and it worked out, and I got support, and that's amazing, I got achieved, uh, got a celebration for it. And it makes you, exactly what it says, broaden and build. So think about that. If you're in a team um, at work or you're part of like management or whatever, it might be worth doing these kind of, if you do, if you are doing Friday night drinks or just Friday night cake or biscuits, whatever it is, um, trying to celebrate someone, someone new, even if it's small, might be a, might be a huge driver in them succeeding in a job. So I think uh, it kind of all ties in, doesn't it? It's kind of like basic, obviously, you know, if you think about it, celebrating and like not being selfish and only thinking of ourselves and like celebrating someone else doing something like task or even if it's easy for you but it's, it's been a task for them it's going to give people that sense of like they got my back is there a more powerful feeling than that if you think about it if you think about it if, I guess some, if you know someone's got your back your partner your friends your family you got your back you're going to do great things fear is fear is reduced um and I think that, for me, when I look at it, I think having that type of backing is life-changing. That's why, in a sense, you look at these really um, like successful rich people. Bill Gates, for example, did Microsoft, but he was a product of his environment. He had wealthy parents who put him in a school that had the first computer. He was allowed to use that computer as much as he wanted and he had these connections and he knew that his parents, loving parents, had his, and this is a good thing by the way, had his back and they were, they were like, yeah, you can, you can do this, you can do that, the teachers had his back, everyone had his back and he just went for it and he was successful. And I can't help but think how many people out there that could do great things but are full of fear because there is nothing behind them to support them. And that's quite sad when you think about it. But if you have anyone in your life that is supporting you, like that is great. And if you don't, but do you know anyone in your life, you know, support them. And what's the we do for you guys, really? We're trying to support you, not just in like fat loss or whatever, but in everything. Because once you realize that you can lose weight, keep it off, you have a shared experience with other people, you're reading some books maybe, other people are trying to change their job, a promotion and all that, you're in the same boat, everyone's trying to do this and that, and you get advice and people genuinely care because they do take time out of their day to reply and stuff to you, even if you're a complete stranger, that's game changing, isn't it? That's life changing. So take from these studies what you will, but if I were to break it down for you into three steps, it would be to get your morning and lunchtime walking. Um, make sure you turn up for these celebrations for people in work or family, or whatever, because it could, it is the difference between them going on to doing things or maybe feeling like they are isolated. And before you do a set or strength workout or any workout, um, try and get mentally amped up for it and visualize your muscles working maximum uh, power 
uh, there's whatever work that you're doing so you're doing legs you can ma- maximize you know the activation of the glutes and the quads and hamstrings and before each set visualize it and think it's going to be easy i'm going to do it i'm going to smash it and boom and see the difference and let me know if it does happen so a lot of um psychology there for you but other than that, get your one big thing done. Like I said, you don't do anything without a prompt. So I'm prompting you now to do whatever you need to do to start today as a success. Like it could be anything. It doesn't have to be tracking right now. It could be the work thing you have to do or whatever. But I would suggest not doing any work stuff until you actually have to go and work. You know, I know it's easier said than done checking emails in the morning. But once you check emails in the morning, um, that email then could uh, dictate your morning. Does that make sense? And I'm starting to see emails through people now saying, I'm sending you this email now because it's convenient for me, but don't reply until it's convenient for you, which is great. So, like, maybe you do need to not let the things in the morning dictate you. If you can, you can want to try and give yourself at least half an hour in the morning. Fall a walk, listen to this podcast, whatever it is, to set you up for the day. But whatever your one big thing is, write it down, put it in the app, get it done today. And your day is a success. And I shall see you all on the radio or the podcast tomorrow.